0: plus. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Hartman, Senior Editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com with you for another episode of Let's Ride, your Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning podcast as a part of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. And I have to be completely honest with you here. There is so much to unpack in one episode. We have the the mailbag segment. We know that in the second half of every Wednesday, Hump Day's podcast. And then we have everything in the, in the fr- first half with... Super Bowl thoughts that I have because I didn't get to talk about that on Monday. And then, my goodness, the implosion within the Steelers fan base that is them choosing an offensive line coach. I'm going to get into all that. Before we do any of that and unpack that stuff, I want to get something out of the way. First, behindthesteelcurtain.com should be your one stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. Wherever you get your podcast, search Steelers or Behind the Steel Curtain. Subscribe, follow, whatever you have to do so that you don't miss a thing. All right, let's start off with the Super Bowl. As you know, if you listen to my Monday podcast, which is all about hope, we're going to be referencing that in terms of faith and trust in the organization here shortly. But if you missed that, go back and check it out. But the one thing I want to mention here is that I didn't do that show after the Super Bowl. I didn't want to have to do it. We watched as a family, didn't have anyone over, just kind of laid low. We just kind of laid low, and it was great. It was a great evening. Kids watched it. They had no idea who was the halftime shows, which, by the way, The halftime show, everyone was talking about the halftime show. People were complaining. People were loving it. I felt old when I looked up that Mary J. Blige is 51 years old. Sorry, Mary J. for putting you out there like that. But I was just, I told my wife, I was like, I feel I'm I'm so old. Um, You know, the halftime show in and of itself, let me just make one comment. I put this on Twitter. And I said, can someone name me one act that everyone would be okay with? And there were people that tried. And the whole point was that it's impossible. So while that Super Bowl halftime show with Eminem and Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg and Mary J. Blige and 50 Cent, when all those people were performing, there was a large portion of the audience that was like, yes, I remember this music. I love it. This is so great. And then there was a portion of the younger audience that said, who in the heck are these people? And there was a portion of the audience that were like my parents' age that said, why in the world are we listening to this garbage? You're never going to make everyone happy. And there were some people that had some ideas and thoughts and artists that were... Probably closer, like someone said, Prince. Yeah, Prince would be in terms of getting the most people to be okay with it, would be atop the list. He already had one great performance. Bruno Mars got brought up. I had people say things like, oh, Led Zeppelin. Well, yes, a Led Zeppelin reunion at the Super Bowl would be pretty flipping awesome. But at the same time, as much as I love Led Zeppelin and classic rock, there's a million people that hate it and don't want to see it. Uh, someone even said Chris Stapleton. Look, I love country music. Chris Stapleton is one of my favorite artists. And as much as I would love to see it, there's a million plus people that would hate it and not want to see it. So the the halftime show, you got to take it at face value. Uh, I thought it was okay. Uh, I enjoyed kind of going down memory lane with some of those songs. I don't listen to that type of music anymore, but still, it brought back some good memories. Now, one thing about the Super Bowl that I do want to bring up is if you haven't seen this video, I know that our Kevin Smith is going to do an article on some of the best Super Bowl throws, meaning passes from a quarterback of all time. Now, you know that Ben Roethlisberger to San Antonio Holmes is going to be on that list. I mean, my goodness, we're a Steelers outlet. How do you not have that on the list? Also, Terry Bradshaw to to John Stallworth, had a brain fart there, Uh, to John Stallworth will probably also make the list. But if you've seen the pass in the fourth quarter, Matthew Stafford, no-look pass to Cooper Cub. And you see what it does to Von Bell, the defensive back for the Cincinnati Bengals. It's it's incredible. And it's the fact that it was the Super Bowl and all cameras are on every play. They had this unbelievable view of Von Bell, and he's looking at Stafford's eyes. And as Stafford's looking to the right, he fades to his left, the quarterback's right, and then Stafford throws it over Von Bell's right shoulder and hits Cooper Cup. It's just a dime. It's a beautiful throw. So you gotta check that out. That pass was incredible. I mean insane. People talk about Patrick Mahomes. No one talks about Matthew Stafford in that regard in terms of arm talent, but that guy is talented. But what do I think about the Super Bowl? I thought the Super Bowl was sporadic. We'll put it that way. It was sporadic. 23 20. It's, well, okay. Yeah. It was entertaining at times. We'll put it that way. I kind of left the Super Bowl with a meh kind of attitude. Like,. People have asked me, whether it's at work, at the gym, uh, people that are family members have texted me, hey, what did you think about the Super Bowl? And I always say the same thing, I I, I left that game with just kind of like, meh, it wasn't great, it wasn't horrible, it was entertaining at times, there was never any sustained greatness, and when I say greatness, it's not about individual players, it's about the play itself. I never felt like there were stretches where you're like, man, this is incredible, I honestly feel like the most entertaining game of the playoffs was the Chiefs versus Bills divisional game. That was the most entertaining. That was sustained excellence in terms of how they were playing the game. You might not like that there's no defense, but boy, were they moving the ball. Quarterbacks were playing out of their minds. A lot of up and down the field. You didn't have that in this Super Bowl. And then there was a stretch in the late third where it felt like every time the quarterback dropped back, it was a sack. I love defense. I love sacking the quarterback. But at some point, you'd like the offensive line to let your quarterback throw the football. And so once they settled in in the fourth quarter, it got a little bit more entertaining. And I'm not going to break down the minutia of this game. I really don't care enough to do that. The Bengals lost. I was happy. And the one thing that I do want to mention before I move on is the officiating. Now, if you're a hockey fan out there, And I know a lot of you are not. But in the National Hockey League, it's the only professional sports league that I know of that when the postseason comes around, it's like a completely different game. It's a different game in the way that it's coached. It's a different way in the game that it's in the way that it's played. It's the approach to the game is different. And also it's officiated completely different. The NHL will say it's not true. But anyone that follows the sport knows it is 100% accurate That the NHL, in the playoffs, the officials only call the most egregious penalties that you can think of. And even on top of that, the last two minutes of a period, or any period of play, could be overtime, doesn't matter. They literally just swallow their whistles. You would have to kill someone on the ice to go to the box. I felt for three and a half quarters, this was playoff hockey in terms of the way that they were officiating. And I was fine with it. They were letting it play. Everything was consistent on both sides. That's what I always want to see from the officials is just consistency. And then it started. And we it, I put this on Twitter as well. We went from no flags to a ton of flags real fast. Like that came on quick. And so for me, I hated how the officials, as they always tend to do, and this is why the NFL, people say it's rigged and it's fixed and all that stuff, they injected themselves into the result. That's what I hated. But you know what? It is what it is. I don't care. Bengals lose. They're really arrogant, by the way. The fans are, too. I mean, if you've listened, they're like, oh, we'll be back. We'll be. Are you sure about that? I just want to make very clear that there's no guarantee, Bengals, that you're going to just ease on into the Super Bowl. I mean, you have to think about the AFC, not even the AFC North, which is no gimme. Yeah, the Browns' roster is better. They need a quarterback, but their roster's better. Lamar Jackson's going to have the Ravens competitive, and I doubt they're going to have, like, 300 players on injured reserve next year. The Steelers, don't want to talk about that right now, but still, you have Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert. Hey, there's a lot of really talented quarterbacks, not to mention Mac Jones up in New England. There's some talent there. For the Bengals to be so arrogant to think, oh, yeah, we'll be back, just ask Dan Marino. Just ask him what that's like. Anyone that knows about the past in the NFL knows that Dan Marino went to a Super Bowl real early in his career. I think it was his second year, or maybe it was his rookie year. Never got back. Not once. Not saying that's what's going to happen with the Bengals. I think they have a really good young football team. They have a ton of cap space. They've been making good moves as an organization. I'm not saying they won't get back, but for them to think that they're just going to find their way right back into it, I think is a little overzealous in my opinion. Speaking of overzealous, the crux of this podcast is about uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers. They made a hire, if you didn't notice, on Tuesday. It was probably around mid-morning, I guess. You didn't hear any interviews. You didn't see anything, like rumors really. All of a sudden, boom, pops up. We, this is from the Steelers' Twitter account, we have hired Pat Meyer, new offensive line coach. And it, it immediately set off a frenzy both within the behind-the-steel-curtain walls and definitely within social media on Twitter. I'm not trying to turn into what Yin's talking about in terms of calling out people, but I do want to read a little bit of the bio. Dave Schofield wrote this article for the website. I'm going to read from him. Here, here it is, about a little bit about Pat Meyer's background, and I quote, Pat Meyer began his coaching career in 1997 at the collegiate level as a graduate assistant at Memphis. Meyer was promoted two years later as the strength and conditioning coach and also had stops at NC State and Florida State in the same role. It was in 2008 when Meyer returned to his alma mater, Colorado State, as the offensive line coach, making a jump to the Canadian Football League, the CFL. Meyer spent a season in 2012 as the offensive coordinator and offensive line coach of the Montreal Alouettes. Meyer then had his first job in the NFL as the assistant offensive line coach of the chicago bears starting in 2013 in 2015 meyer moved on to the buffalo bills as an offensive assistant before being hired as the offensive line slash run game coordinator for the la chargers for three seasons starting in 2017 most recently meyer has spent the last two seasons as the carolina panthers offensive line coach He continues, while Pat Meyer had stopped at the collegiate level at the same schools as both Mike Tomlin and Matt Canada, they did not overlap in the same time period. Meyer began at Memphis in 97, which was the season after Mike Tomlin was a graduate assistant. Additionally, Meyer's seven seasons at NC State as the strength and conditioning coach from 2008 to 2006 were well before Matt Canada's time as the offensive coordinator from 2013 to 2015. In case you didn't know, Meyer played four different positions across the offensive line at Colorado State. He was also with the Arizona Cardinals in 95 and played in the Arena Football League, so he does have playing experience as well. Whew, that's a lot. That's a guy that's also has a lot of experience in the National Football League and in professional football. He has been a football junkie. He's been around. He has been around. But you know what? The gist of the reaction, the main gist of the reaction is what is going on. Now, I put this out on Twitter, and I'm going to say it right here as well. People want to know my reaction. I understand that, you know, I run the website, have a podcast, write a lot of articles. I'm very I've tried to be active on Twitter. A lot of people want to know, like Jeff, what do you think about this hire? I'll tell you what I think about the hire. The, what I could tell you is that Pat Meyer could come up to me on the street and slap me square in the face and I wouldn't know who he was. Couldn't pick him out of a lineup. Okay, so I'm not going to pretend. First and foremost, not going to pretend, I cannot stand, can't stand people that go on social media, write articles for websites, blogs, doesn't matter. All they do is a simple Google search, Wikipedia search, they find out some very basic information about an individual, and suddenly, they're an expert. Well, that's not me. I'm not going to judge this guy based on where he came from. I'm not going to judge him based on who he coached because I'm going to give him an opportunity to prove himself with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Again, let's go back to Monday. My Monday show, I talked about how fans should have hope in the future for the Steelers, and it's a long-term hope. And what I said was that the hope stems from two different things, faith and trust. And it's become blatantly evident that many Steeler fans do not have that hope because they do not have the faith and the trust in the organization. I get it to an extent that they have burned a lot of bridges with fans in terms of moves made, etc. But I think, personally, that this comes down to one thing. And one thing only, folks. This is the Mike Munchak effect. That's exactly what this is. The Mike Munchak effect. And the reason why I say that is because a lot of Steeler fans out there, I mean a lot of Steeler fans out there, are, some, are people that... They know the team well, and you're listening to this podcast on February, or February 16th on a Wednesday when there's nothing going on in the league. The league year doesn't start till March 14th. That's when the tampering period starts. If you're listening to this podcast, there's a good chance you know a lot about the Steelers. You do. You're a diehard fan, and I appreciate you. But the one thing that people never really think about too much is who is the offensive line coach for these teams? There are people that know it. I'm not one of them. I am not one of them. And Dave Schofield said this on a random Slack channel today. He said, without looking, can anyone tell me who the Steelers' current secondary coach is? And no, not Terrell Austin. Our own Andrew Wilbar, he was the one that said he got it, Grady Brown. I guarantee you go up to a Steelers fan and ask him, who that. Well, who's the secondary coach, they'd say, I have no clue. I guarantee if you go up to a random Steelers fan before Mike Munchak and say, hey, who's the Steelers' offensive line coach? I would say 9 out of 10 wouldn't know. No clue. But when they got Mike Munchak, former head coach of the Tennessee Titans, Hall of Fame player for the Houston Oilers, now all of a sudden, whoa, this is a name. This is a name. We know this guy. This guy can play. And not only could he play, but he actually brought a product to the Steelers. Meaning that when he came to Pittsburgh as the offensive line coach, the offensive line played well. Also had a tremendous amount of talent. Now, I will give him credit. Ramon Foster, undrafted. Alejandro Villanueva, we know his backstory. Other than that, though, his first line was a really high pedigree line when you're looking at Marcus Gilbert, second-round pick, Marquise Pouncey, first-round pick, David DeCastro, first-round pick. And let's not forget, he also had a really good quarterback and a really good running back in Le'Veon Bell. Let's also not forget that. But this is the Mike Munchak effect. This is what's happening when the Steelers make a move and people don't know who it is. And so they immediately go and they start looking at for for any information they can. Just scrambling around. Like any information. Okay, I got to find something. So this is what happened on Twitter. This is what happened on Twitter. Uh, David Guido, I don't know if that's the correct pronunciation or not. He puts this out. Offensive line rankings under Pat Meyer per pro football focus. PFF. I'll talk about that in a second in 2017 with the chargers 24th 2018 still with the chargers 30th 2019 still with the chargers 29th he leaves goes to the panthers 2020 18th 2021 31st the one thing I noticed here is when I think about the Carolina Panthers I think about the running game what do I think about no who do I think about I think about Christian McCaffrey first round pick dynamic is all get out Guess what he's also been the last two years? Hurt all the time. Hasn't been available. If you took Najee Harris away from the Steelers, guess what's going to happen? Offensive production is going to struggle. But our Chris Adamski of the, of the Pittsburgh Tribune Review, he chimes in with offensive line rankings under Pat Meyer from football outsiders with adjusted line yards. These are numbers-based. Pro football focus is subjective, people. It is someone... And there's, they have a number of people that watch film and crunch numbers. They will look at that and say that's that's their adjusted score. But this is a numbers-based, okay? So now, with Adamski, he goes all the way back to when he was with the Bears in 2014 where Pat Myers' offensive line was 15th. In the Chargers in 2017, 26th. In 2018 with the Chargers, 5th. 5th in the league. In 2019, 13th. 2020, 13th, 2021, 25th. Now, 2021's bad. I'm not going to say it was good. But at this point in time, the Pittsburgh Steelers, if you were to tell me that this offense in 2022 could be the 13th ranked, numbers-based, not subjective, adjusted line yards, offense running game in the NFL, I'd say sign me up right now. Sign me up right now. I just don't understand this at all. I don't get it at all. We are so willing, or I I guess maybe we're not, as a fan base, not willing to give people a chance. I mean, our own Andrew Wilbar, at one point I actually said on our Slack channel, we might want to watch the Clementi Bridge. Now, Andrew does not live in Pittsburgh. It was just a watch the bridges. He was ready to just take a leap. He is literally done. It's like he's ready to just say, I'm done with this team. This was a horrible hire. They could have had this guy, that guy, and the other. I'm sorry. To me, I'm not going to judge him based on, like like I said, Christian McCaffrey's been banged up the last two seasons. If he were healthy, would the numbers be better? I would say they would be. If he were healthy, would he still have a job? He very well might could be. But here's another thing that we need to all think about. Okay, people want to look at pro football focus. They actually downgraded TJ Watts' ranking as a defender. He's now considered the seventh best defender. So first and foremost, I take PFF, throw it in the toilet, flush it down. They're as bad as the Browns. Awful. Okay, awful. But I look at this, and I look at the Steelers. I look at a couple things when it comes to Pat Meyer. He's going to have a good running back. They have that already in Najee Harris. You have Kevin Dotson, ton of potential. You have Dan Moore, ton of potential. Now, the question mark will be, what do the Steelers do in this offseason? What do the Steelers do? This isn't about a coach to me. It's about players. It's about talent. This comes down to the players versus coach debate that we can all get into. Players go out and make plays, and they don't make plays. And the coaches get blamed. I feel like it's it's the age-old saying of, when they win, the player, the coaches don't get enough credit. When they lose, the coaches get too much blame. I feel like it's 50-50, but the Steelers are going to have to do their job to help Pat Meyer out this offseason. Making good decisions in free agency, in the draft, building from the inside, and really helping everything work together. I think that was the one aspect of this whole scheme, this whole situation that I hope is better in 2022, and that is from coordinator on down, it seems like everyone's working it together. There's not differing thoughts and opinions. If this is Matt Canada's guy, and he's done his homework, and this is the guy he knows and thinks can make a difference, then let's see what he can do. Maybe I'm just a positive guy, and that's fact. I'm not hiding from that at all. But I'm also not going to be quick to pull the trigger on saying this guy sucks when he has never coached any player in a black and gold uniform ever ever I mean we've seen players and coaches go to different areas different locations different organizations and something changes maybe it's the approach maybe it's the players maybe it's the coach I don't know we've seen these type of things happen I'm not sure why everyone's so quick to judge but you would think that Steelers Twitter to sum it up into a, an image, a mental image for you today was a giant mushroom cloud, kaboom! I mean, it was it was bad. I was like, "This is unbelievable, unbelievable." So we'll see. There's been tremendous turnover at the offensive line position, and uh, you think about last year when they hired Chris Morgan. Did, did people celebrate Adrian Clem? By the way, I don't remember. Were people like, "Yay, Adrian Clem! Woohoo! Yeah, we got our guy!" I don't remember that. Were people when they signed when they got Chris Morgan as the assistant? All I heard was, "Hey, he's got experience being a head offensive line coach. This is good. This is good. He has good. He has a lot of experience. It just might not be what you want." All right, I'm gonna take a break. We we'll come back at the mailbag. Be right back. All right, Pittsburgh Steeler fans, thank you for getting through that first segment with me. We have the mailbag. I was a little late getting it out. I totally forgot with the news of of the, the hiring of Meyer and all the stuff on the site. Um, I just totally forgot to put out the tweet. So it got, went out kind of late. Not as many questions. That's okay, because I went a little bit long in the first half. So let's get right to it. British Owen David, he says, Hashtag ride or die crew forever. Thank you, Owen, for that. He said, Do you think free agency is a better way to go when it comes to strengthening the offensive line, given that we need plug-and-play starters on our offensive line? If so, who would, make, who would you make a play for? I like Armstead and Scherf. So, I'm going to talk about free agency and the approach the Steelers should have to it on Friday. Make sure you check that out. Uh, But for me, this is where it comes down to, are you trying to win a championship now, or are you more so building a roster for a couple years? There's a big difference in the two, and we have to be honest with ourselves. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself because I don't want to steal Friday podcast thunder. But uh, for me, I would say that I'm not trying to sign anyone that's too old or long in the tooth. Uh, I want players that are going to have a lot of years left and experience. Uh, Our own Michael Beck put out a good article for the website. It it ran on Tuesday at 3 p.m., so check that out. Five players he would want. There were some free agents in there. So all I'm going to say to finish this up is make sure you listen on Friday. MDibs24 says, I keep seeing talk of Steelers should have taken Creed. He's talking about Creed Humphrey over Muth. He's talking about Pat Fryermuth. The Steelers could have taken Creed Humphrey. They chose Pat Frymuth in the second round instead. He continues. Are these the same people who wanted Pat Elf Elflin? I don't even know who that is. Billy Price, names like those, I don't know, because scheme is something they look at. Have Dave ha, have Dave research how many times Creed was asked to pull. That's a good that. I never thought about that. So there have been a lot of talk on social media recently, not just today with this Meyer nonsense. But just on social media about the, the Steelers and Creed Humphrey got some offseason like uh, around the NFL award or something. And everyone's like, oh, that would be so great. And I always come back with, well, what if Pat Frymuth turns out to be the next Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, Darren Waller type tight end? A tight end that the other team has to say, how are we going to stop that guy? If you get one of those type of players, are you really going to complain about Creed Humphrey? And yes, I understand that you could say, well, that's going to be our center for the next decade. I understand that. But also, when it comes to playmakers, you have to pick and choose sometimes. And it might not be in the order that you, the fan, wants. But if Pat Fryermuth turns out to be a top 10 offensive weapon in the NFL, we're not going to complain about that either. So I don't want you all to think, like, oh, we could have gotten this. They got a good player. Okay, this is not a, you had a swing and a miss in the second round, a Mike Adams, and everyone else is looking at a starter. No, they have a starter, so let's keep that in mind. Cheeseball10, good question here. He says, what are the origins of Dave, talking about Dave Schofield's classic, hey, to end the Steelers preview podcast? Been watching for about 18 months with no answer, hashtag ride or die crew. Thank you, Cheeseball. So this all stemmed from a, a person that would watch our podcast. Her name is Felicia. And it was, I think it was at the very end of a show. We read anyone that gives a donation, what we call a super chat. And this is if you watch live on YouTube, our PM shows that you can hear on our podcast platform every night when they run, it's typically around 11 o'clock. They go on our podcast platform. Um, They're also live on YouTube and on Facebook. If you ever want to chime in and watch us live and I'm on the Steelers preview with myself, Dave Schofield and Brian Anthony Davis I want to say it was at the very end of a podcast once Felicia gave us a tip, a super chat and said something along the lines of you got to finish out the show with a, cause we used to always say, Hey, Felicia, like from the show, the movie Friday, and we always we finish the show that way. I said, what a great way to finish the show. We should always do that, and we always have sense. So whenever Dave's on the show, I'll always say, hey, Dave, send us out. You know how to do it. And he always goes, hey. So that's where that stems from. The hey is the hey, Felicia, because Felicia is a longtime listener and a viewer of our podcast. So good question, though. I, I didn't realize a lot of people might have just tuned in to these podcasts. So if you ever are wondering, like, wow, where did the Ride or Die crew come from or something? Feel free to ask. I'd be glad to answer it on a mailbag. The offseason, the time to do that stuff. Good question, though, Cheeseball. MDibs24 asks another one. He said, I know you don't necessarily scout draft prospects, but do you have a player you'd like this year? Have you ever had a draft crush? Um, I am honest. I've always been honest with my listeners. I've always been honest on this show. I'm going to start my prospect breakdowns either this week or next. I always say I'm going to wait until after the Super Bowl. So I'm I'm really going to start diving in. I have started to watch some films, some videos on some of the quarterbacks. Right now, I do like Malik Willis, but I don't necessarily believe the Steelers should, you know, do whatever they can to get him. And I, I can preface that throughout the offseason when I get to know more, see him at the Combine, Pro days, all that stuff. I do like him, though, as a prospect. I haven't watched a lot of players yet, so I want to keep that in mind. Like I haven't seen – I haven't watched the done the prospect breakdown on someone like Linderbaum or uh, other – I don't know if that's the guy's name, the center from Iowa. Uh, but still, like, there's a lot of players out there that I haven't watched yet, so I want to make that very clear. Have I had a draft crush? I would say the closest thing was last season. This was the last season. People forget this. It's because I was doing this show – I was like, I need to start watching some of these players. I really do need to start getting a feel for who the Steelers could be getting, who what, what kind of value would they get with that pick or the other pick. And it was Javante Williams from North Carolina. I There was something about the way he played the game that I just loved. He was tough. He's a smaller guy. He's built like a bowling ball, kind of reminded me of a Maurice Jones-Drew. And I said, boy, that guy just looks like he's built to be a Pittsburgh Steeler. And I thought that if the Steelers could somehow get him in the second – which he did go in the second. Uh, he wouldn't have gotten to the Steelers necessarily, but I thought it would have been a steal. They ended up getting Najee Harris. I'm not complaining, but if you're talking about a draft crush, I would say that it was Javante Williams last season. Good question. Daily Joint Company asks, Hey, GIF buddy. I guess it's a GIF, but I hate saying it. It's GIFs to me. He During the um, last Thursday, when T.J. Watt was up to be the defensive player of the year, which he won, congratulations again, we literally were just sending each other gifts of TJ Watt back and forth repeatedly in one in one tweet. Anyways, here we go. Would you want the Steelers to target a free agent running back this year? Also known as the lightning to the Najee Thunder. We've seen Benny Snell is more of a special team slash brief fill-in, and McFarland is seemingly on the outs. I don't know if we bring ba- uh, Kalen Balage back, but our running back room isn't inspiring. I wouldn't want to use any draft capital on the position – save maybe Connor Hayward in round seven. So free agent is probably the best route. My obligatory second question, cause he's a cheater. He always is would be who do you like the Steelers to, to maybe take a flyer on? Okay. Hashtag writer. I Let me go to the first one. Let me ask the first one. I've been thinking about this. I've been thinking about the running back situation. I have convinced myself that the Steelers are going to do the following at running back. All right, everyone ready, get ready, buckle up. If you're driving, Focus on what I'm about to say. They are going to do nothing. That's right. You heard it here first, folks. They're going to do nothing. They might bring in a Kalen Balaj type. Maybe they bring him back. I don't know. I don't think they're going to bring in a freed. If you're talking about team needs, running backs not high on that list. They need a starting right guard. They need a starting right tackle. They need inside linebacker big time help. If Stefan Tewitt's not coming back, they need – I'm talking about needs. When we're talking about a backup running back, that's a want, in my opinion. They don't – they need a cornerback, potentially. They want a, a running back. I'm not drafting a running back unless it's – I to me, you get an undrafted guy that could maybe really do well and show out. But if it's Benny Snell as a backup, I'm fine with that this year. The Steelers love to have one back anyways. I'm not doing anything – at running back, if I'm the Steelers, I'm using all that cap space. I'm using my draft capital on positions of need, not running back. Okay. Uh, the second question that you asked, though, who would who would you like the Steelers to maybe take a flyer on, if they if they think someone like Malik Willis is their next quarterback, and I'm talking about the future franchise quarterback. I'm assuming you're talking about as a draft as a possibility. Then you take a flyer on him, for sure. For sure. It's a big if, but still, that's what I'm saying. Aiden Blaine says, have you been to any Steelers Super Bowl parades? Would you attend the next one, assuming it happens in the next 20 years? Hashtag Well, for me, I have a birthday coming up this Sunday. Um, I'll be 39 years old, so in the next 20 years, uh, at least I wouldn't be 60. That's good. Um, would I go to a parade? Yeah, I'd go to a parade. I'd take the family and and go see the players go down uh the, down the street and flash off the Lombardi Trophy and all that. That would be fun. That would be a lot of fun. Have I have I been to one? No, I would. Not, I have not been to one. And I've yeah, I could have gone to many Penguins ones when I was younger. But my my parents, especially my dad, like he he is not doing that. <laughs> he's that guy from the Progressive commercials that talks about when are we leaving the game before. We even go into the game so that we miss traffic. I mean, we would go to pirate games all the time. We leave in the seventh inning, even in a highly contested game, and I'd have to listen to the rest of the game on the way home because my dad didn't want to stay and have to sit in traffic. That's my dad. You know he's not going to go up to Pittsburgh and sit and watch people celebrate a championship. It's just not happening. Zach Farnsworth says, I'd hate to see the talent on this defensive and the defense go by the wayside without making a run at Lombardi do you see this team becoming championship caliber in the short term or are we entering a long-term rebuild? Well, Zach, the, the answer to the question that you asked depends on your definition of both of those terms. Meaning, short-term, are you talking next year or are you talking about the next two years? Long-term, are you talking three years, three to five years? What What are those terms? You have to. De- First thing we have to do is define those. So if I'm saying that a short-term success is one to two, I'm going to say that I don't see them becoming a championship caliber team in the short term. If it's three to five, I see them being a – if that's long-term for you, if that's – are we entering a long-term rebuild? Then by your definition, we are entering a long-term rebuild. But I think within that three- to five-year window, this team with the right moves this offseason could be a championship caliber team in that timeline. And we should be okay with that. We really should. We've been very spoiled in the last 18 years we should be okay last question believe in the cat believers i can't believe he always changes this crap he said do you like the message from the team sending that the lateral moves in the coaching ranks does the lack of upgrades or added coaching staff make you worried or leave you comforted hmm hashtag writer die crew does the lack of upgrades or added coaching staff make you worried I don't, i'm not worried about the coaching staff They've always had a small coaching staff. My assumption is that it's because Mike Tomlin likes to have a small coaching staff. He probably wants a very close-knit group. He wants to have the same message from every single coach. That sounds like Mike Tomlin, does it not? They're painting their barn red because they all have red paint. And so for me, I'm not worried about that type of stuff. I, unlike a lot of Steeler fans, do have hope. I do have faith and trust in the organization. And until they can, uh, they've, they've burned all of us. They're not just me. They've burned all of us. So I'm just going to continue to have hope that they're making the right moves, that free agency is going to go well. And I'm going to talk about that a lot on my Friday show. So make sure you check that out. But before you go, remember, wherever you get your podcast, all you have to do is search Steelers or Behind the Steel Curtain. It will, will be everywhere. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Anchor, Stitcher, Pandora, you name it just do those two search terms you'll find us and you can enjoy all of our podcasts not just my let's ride but also dave Schofield's stat geek on thursday the live mike had a great episode tuesday check it out and all of our noon and p.m content so that does it for me thank you for listening i hope you have a great rest of your week i will be back on friday it's going to be a good show in the meantime you know we finish it up be safe be kind and god bless ghost dealers The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash.